0: Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, buddy, all right, I know everybody feels sort of out of place, you can't find your chair because you're used to how you sit at the other building. This is a good chance for us just to mingle and spend time together as a church family. Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to want you to read three verses with me. When you found your Bible, opened it to Galatians chapter 5, stand with me. We're going to read verses 16, 17, and 18. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read together. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Okay, let's read together. Begin. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Let's pray. Father, one of the most amazing books for the New Testament believer is the book of Galatians. Father, our flesh has deceived us constantly. And Lord, we constantly are overwhelmed by its cunningness. We don't like to admit just how often, Lord, we are... Drawn away by our own lusts. There's not one of us who's not tempted, but there's too many of us that give in. Lord, here's a key. Here is a very important truth about how to get the victory. Lord, we need to learn about this battle because there's another battle that we're going to have to fight. If we don't win this battle in us, we will not win the fight that's around us. Lord, I pray for help this morning. To preach your word with power and that it would be heard and believed and obeyed by every hearer here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. All right, now I want to introduce you to this concept of walking in the Spirit, okay? And um, I'm not sure if you'll be able to see all this with the light. I'm glad for the weather. We're just going to see what we can do. If you've ever been around a fight... Maybe a conflict between two people and you've watched them just take each other apart or between two animals. I mean, I mean some of them are fun to watch, you know, but um, if you've ever seen a fight, you usually try to stop the fight. You usually feel like you've got to try to get people to live in peace, to just get along. But the truth is, conflict is never easy to resolve. That's why the Middle East conflict continues decade after decade after decade. It's not easy to resolve. That's why there's so many divorces and separations. People don't live happily ever after because of conflict. Now I want to show you a battle that is going on in every Christian's life that will never be worked out. That is never going to have a time where they're at peace until the day we enter heaven. And it's the battle between our flesh and the Spirit of God in us. It is It is like the eternal battle between cats and dogs. It's like oil trying to mix with vinegar, and they never mix. But if you want God to win the fight in your life, there's a way to get it done. See, this is, don't be discouraged because uh, you have a choice. Matter of fact, you only have one choice, okay? And that is to not do what you want to do. To be led of the Holy Spirit of God. That is the only victory for the Christian. I'm giving you the whole message here in just 30 seconds. If you want to live the victorious Christian life, if you want to have victory over sin that constantly deceives you, constantly destroys you, then you must follow the the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, but as He leads you in a different direction, because He will always lead you to do right. Amen? The Holy Spirit will always get you, if you will let Him, to do right. You will not choose right. You will often choose your own way. You will often choose to give into your flesh. So, like we read there in the Bible, read it there in verse 17. The flesh, my flesh, lusteth against the Spirit. And the Spirit lusteth. Now, when it says the word lust, it means intensely desires. And it uh, desires against the flesh. And these are contrary. They're against the other, one and the other. So that you cannot do the things that ye would, but... Instead of me trying to do what I want, if I'm led of the Spirit and I do what He wants, no longer do I have to worry about my flesh. And it says it back there in verse 16, it says, if you walk in the Spirit, you end up doing what? Not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. So there is a key that if we get it, it will help us get out of the dominion of sin over our lives. Now this is just an introduction. This is a two-part, maybe three, but a two-part Uh, message about walking in the Spirit. First of all, go back to chapter 5 and verse 1. Chapter 5 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul begins this chapter with a command. He says stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us. What's that next word? Ah man, I heard two of you. What is that word? Free. Free. Okay, now I don't know if you realize the value of that word, but there's a lot of people in this world that are not free. They are in bondage, some of them are in slavery. There are people who are in, in they're being human trafficked. You understand, we're in, in, in this, finally in this generation, people are wising up to the fact that slavery did not go away. And there there is still the trafficking in human life going on and they're not free. But when they're made free, can you imagine the feeling? And keep going there. Um, uh, verse 1 goes, uh, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So we're commanded to stand fast in our liberty, to not lose our footing, to not slip back, to not fall down, to not go back to live in the old ways again, but to stay living a new way. And you do it by the Spirit of the living God. Now, The believer has been freed from the dominion of sin over their life. Now, I don't know if you understand just how wonderful that is, but that's why a person gets saved. You don't get saved so you can go to heaven. I mean, if you ask any child, do you want to go to heaven, how many of them will raise their hand? Every one of them. You don't get saved so you can go to heaven. You get saved because you know you're going to hell. And you know sin is finally going to catch up with you, and is going to condemn you, and is going to pull you down to hell. And you want to be saved from hell. Amen. And you want want to understand the value of salvation is not our home in heaven. It's my freedom from sin's grip now. All our lives before before we got saved, we lived according to whatever our flesh wanted. We did what everyone else was wanting, and what we could get away with. You know, I used to joke uh, uh, about it, uh, well, I've joked about it, but I'll say this. When I was 14, 15 years old, I argued with my dad until he stopped cutting my hair. I hated the fact that when my mom cut my, when my dad cut my hair, he gave me a military haircut, which was, it was just nearly bald. When my mom cut my haircut, she put a bowl over my head. And I would go to school and I was so embarrassed and I finally says, no more. And I remember going to school and I grew my hair out and I'm looking at everybody and my dad said, "Why do you want to look like that?" I want to be different. You know, my dad said, "You look just like everybody else at school," which was true. I want I was trying to do what everybody else was doing. Everybody was growing their hair long. I wanted my hair long. Everybody had bell-bottom pants. I had to have bell-bottom pants. You know, you don't even know what that is. But um, I, I was driven and you were driven before we got saved by the lust of the eyes. If we saw it, don't tell me advertising doesn't work. Well, the lust of the eyes, we say, I want to have that, I want that, I want her, I want this, and I want to do that. But someone moved into our life and brought a whole new perspective, an entirely new nature into our life. You realize we've been freed from the guilt and freed from the penalty of our sin, and we've been freed from the grip of sin. I no longer owe God anything for my sin, amen. I don't owe God anything. That doesn't mean that I don't sin anymore, and that there's not consequences, but Jesus Christ paid for every last sin that I ever will commit. I don't owe God for anything. There's no longer any obligation now for me to ever want to sin. Do I still want to sin? Yeah like a stupid idiot, because I know the consequences of it. But I've been made free. The truth is, I'm no longer chained to the lust of my flesh anymore, we are free. I know you're in Galatians. Go to John chapter eight, go to the left and find John chapter eight and verse 32. John 8, 32. Jesus speaking to some very religious people who thought that they were good enough living good enough, they would certainly be acceptable to God. And Jesus said, nope, you need me, Jesus said. John chapter 8, verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They didn't have the truth, like what I'm trying to show you this morning. Look at verse 36. And it's, if therefore the Son, the Son of God, if he makes you free, then you are free indeed. Free to live for Christ now. I don't live for anybody else but him. Now, I want to I be a blessing. I want to help. But I want to do what he designed me to do. Can you imagine buying a car that was designed to be driven and instead making it into a flower pot? Do you hear what I said? Can you imagine buying a brand new car for 26,000 euros, driving it to your house, parking it over in your garden and then putting flowers in it, maybe digging it into the ground and making it into a flower pot? Now, you can do that if you want. But that's not what it was designed to do, amen? It may be beautiful. You may make a work of art. I could care less. But that's not what it was designed to do. Are you with me? And there are people who were designed to live for God, and they turned themselves over to the devil. They were not designed to live that way. We've been free to live for Christ now. We're free to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're free to live forever. There's nothing going to separate me from the love of God now. But the third point is, we have to be vigilant. That means concerned, careful, to not be brought back under the bondage of our flesh. Go back to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. you ever figured that? You know, sin is always like a spider's web. You can't just dabble in it without it actually taking your arm and then your, then your whole body, it's, it snags us and then takes us all the way. I, I can't remember, the, the sin, maybe you could help me, Brother Dan, but sin will always take you further than you wanted to go. What's the rest of it? It'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. Sin never just stops. And sin in our lives entangles us. And the Apostle Paul says, There is a new way to live, folks. Don't live that old way you're used to. So let's talk about salvation. What happened when a person got saved? I'm talking to believers this morning. If this is going over your head, just, just watch and see if some of it makes sense because the gospel's in here. And this is to show you that there is freedom in Christ, not prosperity, not happiness, but freedom. And my joy and my happiness, if you want to call it that, comes from the fact that I don't, I'm not guilty all the time anymore. I'm not constantly fighting God anymore. I'm actually, I'm doing what God designed me to be and to do now. So, uh, what happened at salvation? Now, here's a great truth. Unfortunately, God, when you got saved, when you got born again, that is a Bible word, by the way. When you got born again, God did just dump the old you and replace you with a perfect you. Not yet, at least. Now, some of us are nearly perfect, right, Brother Dennis? We're nearly perfect. okay. But we still got some flaws, a lot of them. And so, when we got saved, some of, I don't know, I still remember the day I got saved. I remember the day I bowed my head and I cried out, God, I'm lost. I have, I have no idea how to find you, but if, if you're looking for me, I'm here. <laughs> and... I, I I can tell you, I wish that God would have taken everything that was wrong about me and thrown it away and just made me all new again. Wouldn't that have been wonderful? So I never sinned again, so I never was tempted again, so I never said another harsh word, so I never took advantage of another person. That's what we wish happened, but that didn't happen. Instead, he added a new nature to your nature. It's his nature, go to the Gospel of John Back to the Gospel of John, Chapter fourteen and verse sixteen. John fourteen and verse sixteen. John fourteen, sixteen. And I will pray the Father, this is Jesus. Speaking to his disciples, he says, I'm going to pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been around Jesus? It just would have been a comfort to be around him. There was no need, no lack, but he says, I'm going to give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever, even the spirit, capital S, of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. They only want to receive those things that they can see. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be where? You see those last two words? And shall be in you. Now we need to go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Romans 8 and verse 9. We're going to read down to verse 11. It says, but, nah, but ye are not in the flesh... Not anymore, but in the what? If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell, next two words, in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That ought to terrify you. If I don't have the Spirit of Christ in me, then I don't belong to him. And if Christ be in you, the body, your body is dead because of sin. It is. It is. It is never helped you one day. But the Spirit is life in you because of righteousness. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Think about that for a minute. The very spirit, the power that raised up Jesus bodily from the tomb. If that Holy Spirit dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal sinful bodies one day by a spirit that dwelleth in you. Think about that. What happened was God put his spirit in us. Galatians, you're in Romans, go to the right, find Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians 2 and verse 20. I think this is too good to miss. Galatians 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, here am I, I'm still living, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth, where? Where? He's living in me, and the life which I now live in this flesh, what you see here, I live by the faith of the Son of God, not even my own faith, who loved me and He gave Himself for me. First John, way to the right, almost to Revelation, find 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. 1 John 4 and verse 4. <clears throat> year of God, little children, you belong to him and have overcome them. because look at these words, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I like just nailing that down and it said, you know God, you didn't abandon me and just just give me some new rules to live by. You actually came and you dwell in me and you give me a strength and an ability to live by whatever you ask me to do. So here's the truth we now live in a body that contains two natures, two forces at work and two ways of living. We we have a flesh and we have the spirit of God. And when God gave us the spirit of God, he gave us all we need to live in victory, even though I still want to sin. So what's the flesh and what is the spirit? Let's just figure this out, your flesh when the Bible talks about the flesh lesson, get the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, the flesh is two things. First of all, it's all the physical things that you're born with. It's your gender, it's your height, the shape of your face, your skin color, your hair color, all your your organs, your brain, your lung, your most muscles, your bones. Uh, you remember in Genesis it says... Uh, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and, and uh, uh, shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one what? Flesh. Okay, so there's, there's you and me. It's just, it's all the physical things about us. All the chemicals, all the hormones that flow throughout your body, that is your flesh. And never be ashamed of the fact that you are who you are, because the Bible says, I will praise thee. This is David talking to God. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that my soul knoweth right well. God, God didn't make a mistake when He made you the way He made you. There is, there is nothing, there's nothing to be ashamed about, about you. Okay? There is something to be ashamed about, about sin in you. That's the issue that we're going to talk about. So your flesh is everything that's physical about you, but it's all, but all of those physical things together have a nature. They have a natural way of doing things. Did you know cats have a nature? Just tell them to heal, all right? Just, just ask them to get off of the couch. They have a nature that is very different than a dog, amen? Dogs have a nature. I mean, all you have to do is whisper, walk. <laughs> all you have to do is say, you want chocolate? And I mean, there is any, you, you can you can do everything you can and the cat will act like you don't exist. That is the nature of animals. Well, our, the, our nature, our instinct or oh, uh, everything about us that is invisible is our nature. It's what we naturally do without thinking. Uh, what we naturally just love and what we crave. They're the habits that you have, both good and bad. Our nature is the way that we have lived and loved and thought and felt since our birth. It is us as we are. It's what it means to be human. Now, by the way, thank God that God God loves us as we are. Because if he expected us to live up to some, some level before he takes any interest in us, we're all doomed. Amen? So he takes us at the bottom. He looks down at us in our sin, and he accepts us and loves us as we are. But he definitely doesn't want us to stay the way we are. Amen? So the nature of man is what we're talking about, your flesh. Let's talk about the the, the spirit. Go to John chapter 1. You're in 1 John, go all the way to the left, find John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 1. And the spirit of God in me is a person. John 1, verse 10. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own people, and his own received him not. But as many as received him. Think about that. They, they, they allow him in. They accept him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that just believe on his name. John chapter 3 now, same book, but chapter 3 and verse 6. Jesus is speaking, speaking to Nicodemus, trying to convince him about a new birth, telling him, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus saying, what are you talking about? In verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is what? All right, so where would you get your flesh from? Your parents' flesh, okay? But that which is born of the Spirit, capital S, is what? So where do you get your spirit from? I didn't get that from my parents, no matter how religious they may be or how wicked they may be. I don't get my spirit from them. I don't get my spirit from church. I don't get my spirit from going on a religious um, uh, 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 journey. I get it by, look at that, the Holy Spirit of God. What births my spirit is the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, marvel not that I said you must be born again. And I'll give you one guess which part of you needs to be born again. The outside or the inside? The inside. And when you do get born again, he brings a totally new nature into a believer. His nature. A supernatural way of living. Now you can compare it to a marriage where a guy falls in love and he... Uh, Convinces the love of his life to marry him, spend the rest of their lives together. And he's he's like in front of her, he's the perfect gentleman. But at home, he never does the dishes. At home, his socks and every other bit of clothes is always in the corner. And it is not washed for weeks on end. Uh, At home, there's some bad habits and things. And his wife starts to help him out and begin to put some pressure on and begin to pull them in another direction, amen? And there's a lot of men who sure got the better benefit when they got married, amen? Well, when we got saved, we got the better benefit. We got somebody to move in our life and begin to pull us in the right direction. It is a supernatural way of living. You know, if you live in the Spirit, you're not living carnally, selfishly, worldly, like my flesh did. It's a spiritual, supernatural, perfect New life. look at second Corinthians. you're in John go find to the right, second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse 17. second Corinthians 5:17 says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what is he now? He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. behold, all things become new. Now when I got saved, Guess how long my hair was? About down to here. The moment I got saved, do you think my hair went shoo, like that? It did not. You think the moment I got saved, that all of a sudden, you know, um, I don't know, I stopped. I stopped uh, uh, instantly saying uh, the Lord's name in vain. Do you think I just, uh, do you think everything became perfect in my life? No, but there was a part of me that now was perfect in my spirit. Go to 1 John. Go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because now he is what? All right, but look at verse 8, he that committeth sin is of the, <laughs> for the devil sinneth from the beginning, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So, there's a part of me that's born of God, there's a part of me that's born of the devil that just loves everything dark, that loves darkness rather than light, there's a part of me that loves light, and loves righteousness, and loves God, and believe me, they do not get along. So, which part of you was born of God? Was it your flesh? Not your flesh, it was your spirit. And that's the part that's been born again, regenerated, made alive. You know, when you got saved, you did get new interests. I was not interested in the Bible when I got before I got saved. I was not interested in church. Church, we only went once every couple of years, if that. And when we went, I was a young kid, so it was an opportunity just to lay down and go to sleep in the, in the pew. There was no interest there i used to the old days on the radio you're driving in the car i was 16 years old got my driver's license very early i'm driving in that car and i'm tuning the the radio there trying to find something different to listen to and all of a sudden you'd hear a gospel song and it sounded like somebody on a blackboard i tell you what when i got saved i went looking for those gospel songs i had a new interest i said I want to hear. It, it fed me. I was starving for it. I, I wanted to know what the Bible said. No, nobody had to tell me. You need to read your Bible, Craig. You need to read four chapters a day. You know and I did. I read. I'm not bragging, but just believe me. When I got saved, I read my Bible through, start to finish, two times in one year. I didn't know that was too much. I didn't know I wouldn't understand 99.9999% of it. I just was hungry. God gave me a new interest. That's that new being, that new person in me. That new part of me wants to do the will of God. We had a meeting where we had eight missionaries. It's as if we had all eight of our missionaries here, and we had two of them speak every night. And night after night, I heard about the world going to hell. And by Wednesday, I said, I want to do God's will. If he can use me, I am available. And that's why I'm here today, because I want to do God's will. And he pleases God. That part of me pleases God. There's a part of me that does not please God. But the spiritual part of me does. Now, here's so, so this new man in us is what I'm trying to get us to focus on. Because I am, I'll talk to you about this in a moment, I'm trapped between these two natures. And I can't do what I want to do anymore. So let me talk about the problem. First of all, You've asked this question, I'm sure. Why is it sometimes so hard to live the Christian life and so hard to go back into sin now that you're born again? What'd I just say? I'm here, I'm saved and I wanna live for God, but I find it hard. Then I decide, well, I'm gonna go back into sin and I find that hard too. Why is that? <laughs> we read it in Galatians five seventeen, the flesh and the spirit are going at each other and I can't do what I want to do anymore. Um, these two natures are at war. They never will get along with each other. They keep you doing from what you want. They pull in two directions. My flesh reaches towards something that excites it, that feeds it, while it and makes it, makes it feel important, while this, my spirit yearns for and reaches for something that feeds it, that interests it. There's more about that in a moment. Between these two natures is me, the real me, what you can't see, the soul. And my soul is constantly having to choose which one I want to win. And I'm burned out wrestling to always make the right choice. I get discouraged a lot. I don't know if you ever do, but I get discouraged a lot. I have regrets. I constantly am disappointed with myself. Anybody else like that? Amen. Amen. Well, simple little diagrams, stupid. I like stupid little diagrams. Ought to be SLD. Anyway, first of all, there's the flesh. Flesh is pulling one direction. God's Holy Spirit pull another direction. And, and, and thank God I have a new pull. All right? I'm, I, no, I, I, I still, uh, I remember uh, uh, Buddy Blanco saying, I still love, um, uh, and he talks about a, uh, some sort of alcoholic drink, but I'll never drink it again because I know it's wicked and wrong and sinful. Amen. I don't know. I know people who still love to listen to rock music, but they never listen to it because, and they never let themselves listen to it because they know their flesh will always love that. And if they give into it, it will pull them down a dark path that they came out of. And they want to now do something that's that's of light and something that's true and it's right. And they they think they thank God they now have a pull for something that's good and for right, because right in the middle is me and the most the most the the, the, the most complicating factor in our life is these two things stretch and pull, and I'm like, which one do I give into on a daily basis? Now, we know we which one we ought to give into. We know which one we ought to. But there's still that pull, because my flesh likes to say, I need this. So what's wrong with the flesh? Just review this real quick. Well, let's be real honest. My flesh and your flesh love sin. You know, it doesn't just sin, my flesh loves to sin. It hungers for it. It thrills our old nature. Some people, it's anger, and they have an adrenaline rush when they get a chance to be angry. For some people, it's the thrill of thieving, just being able to take something and nobody catch them, and be able to live on the edge. Some people, it's pornography. Some people, it's self-attention. Some people, it's rebellion. But deep down, our nature loves things that are sinful, It is our nature to love sin. My nature is only focused on itself. It wants all the attention. Don't tell me you're different than me. (laughs) You know, everything about you and me is about us. You know what Ecclesiastes says? Ecclesiastes says all of a man's labor is for his mouth. Now that's very humiliating. But all you do is so you can have a good meal. All you end up, Working for is so that you can feed and stuff yourself with some food. Because you think of yourself, your stomach is your guiding light. Mm-hmm. Uh, it thirdly, it demands to be in control. It, is, it, is, it starts arguments, it demands to have the final say, your flesh rejects anybody's authority over it, and when it gets hurt, it demands justice. That's the flesh. Does, does, Did Jesus ever require any of that? Jesus Christ took it on the cheek, and then he took it on the cheek, and then he took it again on the cheek. Our flesh is repulsive to God. Go to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. In your New Testament still, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21. Look, starting in verse 20. Philippians 3 20. For our conversation is where? Yeah, our, our way of life is actually in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to change our what kind of body? Now, he doesn't say flawed. What would be a nice word to say there? You know, our imperfect. That would be politically correct, so you don't offend anybody. But he didn't say that. He didn't say he's going to change our imperfect body. He says, he will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, like Jesus' new body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Do you know, there's, nothing, there's actually nothing good in us. We're going to look at it in a moment. But Romans chapter 7, verse 18 says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Most people do not, if I can be honest with you, most people do not know the depths of, of sin that is present in them right here, right now. And they will ignore their carnal nature as if they're okay with God. Do you know David had adultery, murder, and blatant cover-up lies in him that came out when he saw an opportunity to be with another man's wife. Did you hear me? David had all of that inside of him, and it came out when he saw an opportunity to be with another man's wife. Moses had murderous anger in him, and he actually killed a man one time. Jonah had serious rebellion in him. One of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. I mean, he blew it. But he had serious rebellion in him against the will of God. And it came out when God asked him to go and preach uh, to repentance to Nineveh. When God asked him to do what he didn't want to do, rebellion came out. It's in us, folks. Noah had a desire to be drunk. It came out when there was nobody looking. What we are naturally in the flesh is repulsive to God. But here's the big deal. Our flesh is at war with God. Come back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. 6, 7, and 8 says this. Romans chapter 8. For to be carnally minded, carnal, fleshly, is going to be what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, how I think when I'm carnal, what I want when I give into my carnal mind, is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Why? Because we're at enmity. Enmity means at war. It means conflict. My flesh has its own lust, its own desires, its own demands, and it will not give an inch. I don't care how good God is to me, my flesh still is selfish. That's why That's why it's got to be kept under control, folks. That's why I find God's laws and God's rules good. That's why when it tells me I should do things one way, when my flesh wants to do another way, I go, I choose God's way. That's why I have no confidence in my flesh, because my flesh will always lie to me. And that's why I need to learn to obey the Holy Spirit. You're in Romans chapter 8, look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh, if you're after the things of the flesh, if you're after satisfying the flesh, if that's all you're after, then they do mind the things of the flesh. All you think about are going to be the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, they will mind the things of the Spirit. That's why i got to just mind. Did you ever, didn't your parents ever say, You better mind your older brother. Did you ever hear that phrase? You better mind your manners. Did you guys ever use that phrase? That means obey, and that's why I got to learn to obey the Holy Spirit in my life. So, um, if we live by the flesh, let me contrast and show you what happens. Then I'll try to diagram. I'll try to act it out here in a second. First of all, if I try to live by the flesh, the Holy Spirit will fight against me when I try and do wrong. Amen. Thank God. The Holy Spirit will always hinder me from sinning against God. Amen. I I don't know if you have ever had the experience where you just you just your your your, your blood pressure raises, your 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 face becomes flush, your heart begins to beat, your fist becomes clenched, and you just start to get angry. And the Holy Spirit says, "Stop." And you know there's that guilty feeling inside of you, and you say, "I'm not listening." (laughs) But there is a Hindrance that makes you stutter when you want to just blast. Uh, you know, sometimes it's good to pray for hiccups when, when you're getting into sin. Amen. If I try to live by the flesh, I am trying to please the world around me. I want, I want the world to see me live like everyone else around me. But my flesh, if I try to live by the flesh, I will never please God. And that's not a Christian life. I was not designed to please anybody else but Him. God will, say amen, chasten me. Amen. If I try to live by the flesh, God will catch me and humble me and chasten me. He will not damn me now, but he will chasten me like a child, like a a father does his child. And I'm miserable. You ought to read Psalm 32. We don't have time today, but Psalm 32 has David uh, describing saying, when I kept silent, when I, when I, um, uh, tried to live in my sin, and I would not humble myself and repent, I aged. I, I grew older. I dry, dried up. It was terrible until I finally repented, and I came back over to living in the Spirit. I was miserable in sin. And one of the ways that you know that you're saved, one of the ways you know you're saved is that when you go back to the pub, and you pick up that drink, and it doesn't give you the buzz like it did. And you used to be able to drink three or four pints and it just puts you where you're just placid. Now it takes eight. Used to be you could get entertained on by watching two or three Netflix things. Now you got to watch hours of them before you get any kind of entertainment. You know why that is? You're miserable. You can't be saved and carry the Holy Spirit into that sin and be happy. And it will only reap death. We read that. Uh, The end thereof is is, is death. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Got to show you this. Go back, go to the right, Galatians 6, 8. For he that soweth to his flesh, he that invests in his flesh. You know what that means? That means um, paying for cosmetic surgery, Paying for um, you know new hair, I don't care. You hairstyles, hair color. Talk about ladies there, guys maybe I don't know. Um, uh, investing in your flesh, you know I've got to have I've got to have this to be happy. I've got to have that to be happy. If you sow to your flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption, which is ruin. But he that soweth to the spirit, if you invest in spiritual things, shall of that same Holy Spirit you will reap. Life everlasting. This is brilliant, folks. Because if I try to live in the flesh, you're just going to die early. You're not meant, you know, you're not meant to die at uh, 42 years old of emphysema. Amen. You're not meant to die of psoriasis of the liver at 62. You're meant to have, you're meant to see your children's children. Three generations ought to be able to rejoice together. And if if you're sitting there going, you know, uh, I don't think it'll hurt. I've been smoking, you know, two packs for the last 40 years. It will catch up with you and you will regret it. It will reap death. And you know, I think, I look at that thing and why would anybody want to live there if they're saved? There's only one word, pride. Pride will keep you in your flesh, keep you from repenting. Pride cares about nothing about God. But if I attempt to live in the Spirit, guess who gets in my way? Now, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish that when I started to go for for the things of God, when I started to go to church on Sunday morning early, that God just split the Red Sea. God just made all the lights green. I wish that God would make it so I would float out of the bed and my pillow would wrap around me, carry me to the shower. I wish that were true. Amen? But it's not And the reality is my flesh will fight tooth and nail when I want to try to do something right. Amen? That's the reality. My flesh will always hinder me from doing the will of God. I'm trying now, if I'm attempting to live in the Spirit, I'm trying to please God to live like Jesus did. But I will never please the world. My flesh will never please God. And let me tell you, if you're saved, your friends will only want to have a good laugh of you. They will want you to pick up that bottle. They will want you to take that drug. They will want you to watch that filthy film. Not because they want you to be like them. They want to make a laugh out of you. They want to ruin you and watch you fall. And you'll never please them. They just want to crush and ruin you. And then walk away and watch you wallow. You will never please the world now that you're saved. They know you're different. And the world will, just like, listen, God, when I go off into sin, God gets me. When I go off and try to do something good and godly, the world will get me. (laughs) 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, all that live godly shall be blessed. Is that what it says? No, they that live godly shall suffer persecution. But I'll be joyful. Overall, I wouldn't trade one second of my new life For anything I had before I got saved. Amen. And that doesn't mean that my new life has been all honky dory. But but I'm basically joyful even though I battle discouragement sometimes with my flesh. And that more abundant. And only humility. Only me humbling myself constantly. Will keep me at the place where the Holy Spirit is in charge. Listen to how Paul puts a conflict. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. This is one of the reasons why we've got to drop our ceilings so that that sound doesn't come through. But aren't you glad the water's not coming through? Romans chapter 7. Hopefully just a passing shower. Romans chapter 7, Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, I am sold, slaved under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. Those are parents. Well, I'm allowed to do it, but you're not, kid. (laughs) For that which I allow, sorry, that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Do you see a conflict there? If then I do that which I would not. If I end up doing what I don't want to do, I consent to the law that is good for me. I need the law to show me when I've crossed it. Now then, it is no more I that does the sin, but sin that dwells in me, in my nature. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth what? No good thing. Verse 18. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which I which is good, I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is not. It is no more I that do it, but what is it? It is sin dwelling in me, in my nature. I find then a law. I find a force that when I would do good, ugh, evil is present with me, stopping me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, the decisions of my mind, my desire to do right, and bringing me back into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my fleshly members. Oh, wretched man that I am. How does he feel about the conflict? He hates it. I, I just hate what I go through. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of this death? Verse 25, who is it? I thank God through Jesus Christ. So then, our Lord, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, go in one direction, and with the flesh, it serves the law of sin. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's a pretty intense description of the battle going on. He says, I'm a slave to sin. I have the desire to do good things, but no ability, but there's another law in my mind, another force in my inner man pulling me in another direction, and I thank God for that. And because I don't ever seem to go anywhere like I want, I feel like a wretched man. But Christ Jesus has come along. He hasn't gotten rid of this old man yet. One day he will. But he hasn't got rid of the old me yet, but he has made it so at least there's a fight. At least He has freed me from the slavery of my own desire to sin. And now I walk in the Spirit instead of in the flesh. That's my goal. Let me get to the main part of the message, which is where we're here this morning. Here's the point. Walk in the Spirit, Galatians says. If you're led of the Spirit, um, uh, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, listen to the progression the lust of the flesh pulling you in one direction, the lust of the spirit pulling you in another direction. Okay, now I need, I need Darren, I need you here, and Dean, I need you. Alright. Alright, Darren, you're my flesh. Alright, you're good looking, you're handsome, you, uh, you know, you're smart, uh, you're wealthy. You're my flesh, okay. You're the spirit in my life, okay. You love God, you want to do right. You don't think of us, you think of what his will is. You, you and me, we think of us. We think of what we want. Now, which one do you think it is, which one's easier for me to go with, and to go with the pull of? All right, now, so you're gonna stand there. Okay, your interest is to go that way. Okay? Your interest is, you're gonna want to go that way. Okay, now, I've decided I want to go. The Holy Spirit's telling me, I need to be in church. I need to be under preaching. I need to have my Bible open. I need my heart broken. I need my mind renewed. I need my, my joy restored. So I'm going to church. Amen, Amen. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Would you lead me there? All right, we're going to go that way. Let's go. No, stay there, yeah, okay good. So all of a sudden, what is wrong? As soon as I attempt to do it, my flesh says no, and he'll give me every excuse. Why not to do it? And then I decide, nah, I won't, st- I'll stay home today. Listen, I decided I'm going to watch, I'm going to binge watch Netflix. It's got to be a good service on, you know, I mean a good service, <laughs> a good thing on, you know. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, buy some junk food. I'm just going to sit at home and listen, the guys can go on. I pick up church next week, so let's go. Okay, now, you're supposed to be helping me, all right? <laughs> all right. Come on, push him! <laughs> okay. There's a progression, there is, thank you guys can sit down for a second. There's a progression where between me, I'm, no matter what I do, I'm boxed in. And uh, forgive me, I need you to come up with me for a second, okay. (laughs) The only way for me to actually end up doing good is for me not to want to do good, cuz how many want to do good? Every one of us. There's not a drunkard alive who doesn't every time you wake up. And every time he's, throw, he's rolling over in his own sickness or whenever he's, he's trying to pay the bills with the money that he's left over after he spent it all on drink, there's not one of them who just says, I wish I didn't drink. I'm so sorry I went out last night. There's, there's, every one of us wants to do something good. So what the Bible says, and this is the great thing. Now I need you to turn around. Okay? You ready? Now, you can say, uh, you're my flesh, right? I like you. But I gotta hate you. Not that I hate myself, but I hate what's in me. I hate what he wants of my life. I'm talking about me. Now, as many as are look there in Galatians chapter five, verse eighteen. Let me read it. Just stay there for a second. Galatians five eighteen. I'm in Romans. Galatians 5.18, but if ye be led of the Spirit. Okay. So is there a war? Turn around for a second. Is there a conflict between these two? Okay. But if I allow him to, what's the three letter word? Lee. You see, when I'm trying to do this, I'm sure the, the Holy Spirit is trying to help me go against my flesh, but I'll never get, I'll never get the victory like I want. And when I'm trying to do this, you say this way, you're trying to push this way now, I will never have fun. Push. In the, I'll never have fun living carnally, ungodly, now that I'm saved. So what I need now is to follow. If I would be, now I want you to take me to church. Okay? I want you to tell me what to do. I want you to tell me when to get up. I want you to tell me who to be a blessing to. I want you. Thank you. You stay there. <laughs> when I yield, To that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, he will scream. But he will say, walk this way. And if I will desire, now you can sit down. If if you want to walk in the Spirit, you're going to have to be led of the Spirit. If you want the fight to go on day after day after day, go on. But you're going to have to decide, Lord, lead me out of this fight. You take me where you want me to go you tell me who to bless you tell me who to serve you tell me what to say you tell me when to shut up <laughs> and then you're walking in the spirit so what is it what does it mean let me just give you some thoughts number one write these down choose what the holy spirit wants for your life not what you want for your life you may want things good You you say, "I want, I want that woman to be my wife. I want to live in that house. I want to go to that church. I don't want to go to that church. All of those is us." When's the last time you actually prayed, Lord? What do you want? Who's the right person for my life? I don't know how to find them. I feel like Adam. I don't know how to find the right wife. Lead me. That's being led. Mm. choose to do what the Holy Spirit wants so how can we walk in the Holy Spirit write these down number one starve the flesh for a while starve the flesh you'll find out just how strong a grip your old nature has on you when you don't feed it there's not a man in here who goes more than six hours and is not grouchy (laughs) go without eating for a little while Don't entertain your flesh. Switch off the TV and don't watch it for a week. The first three days will be hell on earth. You go, I'm not happy. (laughs) What you mean is your flesh is not happy. And you're learning to not give in to to its demands. Just keep your mouth shut, go to work, do your work, stay away from your phone for a week, stay away from Netflix forever, stay away from internet for a week, don't eat for three, four, five, six, seven days all with the desire so that after a week, you can all of a sudden hear the Holy Spirit, not just fight, but lead. Here's the point. We take the teens away and the young people away to youth camp and we, we start on Monday and we collect their phones and they're like, and they can't breathe for the first six hours. And, and then come Tuesday, and we're preaching our heart out and we're singing and they're like, so miserable without my phone. And come Wednesday, Thursday, amen, praise God. uh, Friday, amen, let's live for God. And then we give their phones back to them and they're back to hell on earth. Yeah, you you wanna know what it's like to sense the the leading of the Holy Spirit, that pull of the Holy Spirit, I don't like the push, I don't like the stress, I don't like the conflict. I want to be led of the Spirit, and I want to let the flesh just crumble. Secondly, confess the sins of the flesh. This is where I'm gonna hit, because it hit me. While you're starving your flesh of all of its entertainment, of all of its demands. Every time you see a stronghold, maybe like a snapping word. Every time you see a stronghold, like a bitter reaction. Every time you see a, strong react, a stronghold, like constantly reoccurring old memories. Maybe that dissatisfaction and, and, and um, uh, discontentment, murmuring. You'll see that stuff come up in your life and you'll start, you need to confess it. You know what Christians are bad at? Repenting. They're bad at, oh, everyone says they're sorry. But we find it very hard to repent. And when God dredges up and when God brings up that old sin that is like, like sewage in your life, and you just sort of cover it over, guess what? It just gets deeper, and it stinks worse. So confess it. Most of our conflicts rage because we never rob our flesh of the power it has. Just for the flesh, we keep old records of hurts and abuses. Is that better? I remember when you said thus and thus. (laughs) We refuse to humble ourselves to those that we have hurt. I'm not going to say anything to that. She doesn't deserve it. We worry about our image. We worry about what people think. I don't... Can you imagine... If I called right now and I said to this church, I says we're gonna have a time where we're gonna get our face before God, we're gonna ask God to forgive us, we're gonna ask God to wash us and and help our family starting with us, we're gonna repent of the strongholds. Some of you just grip your seat, you know, that's the flesh. Third, hunger to sense the leading of the Spirit of God, hunger instead of. Instead of having a fight, instead of being in the middle of a fight, wouldn't it be nice to just be led out of that fight and into victory? Hunger to hear a still, quiet, small voice. By the way, you got to be very quiet to hear. That's why you have a quiet time in the morning where you open your Bible and nobody else is up and you just listen to the words as if you're at the feet of Jesus. That's why sometimes I like to read out loud. It keeps you awake. But also, it's like I'm listening. You know, if if, if, if we had a fresh-baked tart, an apple tart, and uh, somebody brought it in their back room, after a few seconds, that, that aroma starts to go through the crowd. Everyone would be going, and you'd be attracted to that aroma, amen? That's the yearning you should have for the Holy Spirit. You know, if you were walking in a desert and you heard the sound of running water, you'd start running, wouldn't you? You'd follow that sound. (laughs) you come home and there's an aroma of perfume that your wife wore when you were dating. You'd you'd pursue that perfume, amen? (laughs) Amen. Follow the Spirit's leading. Third, fourth, yield to it. No matter how difficult, God doesn't ask you to become a monk. God doesn't want anybody to be a nun or a priest or live a boring, empty life. You don't don't realize how many people have told me, you know, Ledbetter, I I couldn't be a Christian. It'd be a boring life. (laughs) go, what? You have no idea what you're saying. It's different, but it's definitely not boring. Yield to the will of God. Do you know what the lusts of the Spirit are? Go to 2 Corinthians. You go, you're in Galatians. Go to the left. 2 Corinthians, a few pages, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, and verse 14. For the love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Actually, actually surrounds us and holds us and pulls us. Constrain is to, to actually have a grip on us. Wouldn't that be nice to just be constrained with the love of Christ? Well, we are. Because we thus judge now that if one, Jesus, died for all, then guess what? Then they were, all, then everyone is dead spiritually. And that he died for all, they which live, those of us who have been born again, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but live unto him which died for them and rose again. Who do I live for now? Him. The whole world's going to hell, the whole world's lost without Christ. I'm glad there's some that are saved all over the planet. There are churches just like this one, preaching the gospel, the Christians who get together. They're not perfect at all. But let me tell you this, there is a world. Jesus died for the whole world. And when God has any will in my life, it is so that people get saved. I don't care whether you're a a chemist or a mechanic or you're a, a milk salesman or a car salesman. Pity that. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're a banker or a politician. uh, Don't don't be a politician. Uh, Whatever you are, you're supposed to do something about getting people saved. That is the will of God for your life. Yield to his will, which means witness on the job, which means be a light on the job. Never be ashamed of your Christianity on the job. Hmm yearn to be filled, go to Ephesians, yearn, Corinthians, go to the right, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5.18, wonderful scripture. Ephesians 5.18 says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is always what? Excess. But be filled with the Spirit. Want to be filled with the Spirit, do you just want to have a little bit? Uh, uh, Holy Spirit in my life, I want to get out of trouble. I want to to get out of guilt. I want to stop being defeated. But don't take me too far. (laughs) Don't make me a fanatic. Don't make me like pastor. I don't want to be a missionary. I definitely don't. No. Yield, sorry, yearn to be filled with the Holy Spirit and just do whatever He wants with your life. If you go to a sports match and you just want to sit there and just watch everybody else have a good time, you're wasting your time. You get into the event and you're just consumed with what's going on. Amen? When you get saved, you should be consumed with the Christian life. And the trust, this is the best part. You know, when when I decide to turn my back on the flesh, no matter how hard he'll pull now, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm trusting that it's going to be better than if I obey my flesh. What can I trust that if I obey my flesh? It might just kill me. And if sin doesn't kill me, God will. Or my wife. Or the guarda huh? Or I don't know. But if I follow the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm trusting it will always be better than if I followed the flesh. Amen? There are consequences of which what rock you take. I, I, I'm just going to read these. Back to Galatians chapter 5. It will be done. One will end up producing such a list of ruin and destruction in your life, and the other will see such fruit produced that it, nobody's going to ever complain. There are clear evidences of which person, is, uh, which way a person is living in their life. You know, I don't, I don't want to judge, but it is pretty easy sometimes to tell, are you obeying your flesh or are you obeying the Spirit? So, the results of living in the power of the Spirit... Oh, wait, wait, where's my... Huh. I have a thought here, but let's go ahead. Oh, let me start with the Spirit. I didn't know I was starting with the Spirit. The results of living in the Spirit is you will please God. Let me just read this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 says, Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you've received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you ought to abound more and more. I should walk and please God. And if I'm living in the power of the Spirit, not in my flesh... I will please God. I will actually be able to crucify, put to death the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.24, we don't have time to look at it, says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and love. I wish those old temptations would die, but I can crucify them every time I decide to take on whatever the Holy Spirit has for me. And your life will have fruit in it. Never regrets. Listen to Galatians 5:22, "The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against us there is no law." And that's where verse 24 says, "They that are Christ have crucified the flesh, they've abandoned and wants to shrivel up and die with the affections and the lusts. So you want to have that kind of life? Or you want to live by the lust of the flesh. Look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. And look at this list, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, and also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's a list. And that's how sin consumes us. Not only is it a look, not only is it a lust, but it turns into adultery, or it turns into fornication, or it turns in, that list is, it consumes us. Sin consumes. Is that what you want to win in your life? Do you want adultery to be what's, what's known in your life? David had to bear it for the rest of his life. Do you want wrath to be your epitaph? He died angry. <laughs> is that how you want your marriage to be remembered? Is that how your heart is going to live? By that sin bearing that kind of, of effect? What about your mind? You know why half Christians aren't happy? Because they've got unconfessed sin running around in their heart and in their mind. They can't shake it. There's at least one more lesson I want to talk about. But for now, you need to ask yourself three questions. Number one, do you even have a fight? Is there any battle going on? Or do you always give in your flesh? Be honest. Because you will have to be honest one day. You better own up to it now. This is the day God gave you to get saved. And Christian, this is the day God gave you to get right. You have no guarantee of tomorrow, not even of this afternoon. By the way, only a Christian has a battle. Huh. The ungodly, the unsaved don't have this conflict. They delight in iniquity. They love sin and darkness. They love to do wicked things. They're moral only when it's beneficial to their vanity. So you've got to ask yourself, do I even have a battle? Secondly, do I ever walk in the Spirit or in my self-righteous pride of my flesh? Just record the amount of time you give to your flesh and the amount of time you give to the Spirit. Wow. That doesn't mean that you have to pray for 12 hours a day. But did you know you can go through all day praying? You know that? You can be with somebody and just before you meet and say, Lord, give me something good to say to encourage them. You can be headed downstairs. You can say, thank you for my mom. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for this home. You can be at a constant time of prayer. How much time do you give to your flesh in front of your TV? All the sports, all the worrying about money, searching for happiness. And how much time do you give to the Spirit? When was the last time you actually, you and I asked God, what does he want us to do? What was Paul's probably greatest prayer he ever prayed? Lord, what would thou have me to do? Well, the nature you feed will be stronger. The more you are in church, you know we have church on Sunday night. You know why we have church on Sunday night? And why we have church on Wednesday night? We have Bible study and prayer. Do you know why we do that? Because we're trying to beef up the spiritual part of you so that if you walk in the Spirit, you won't be doing the works of the flesh. Amen? Now some of you go, well, I don't think it matters. No wonder you struggle with what you watch on television. No wonder your phone is filled with filth and the the words in your home and the, the, the life that you live is filled with such battles. Let me tell you. Feed the Spirit, and you'll starve the flesh, and the flesh will not have such a grip on us. You ready to get saved? Anybody in this room? I want you to think about it. Say, you know, I, all I do is what I want to do. I've never, wor- I've never worried once about what God wants me to do. That's a sign I'm not saved. Today I know that it's not just the will of God. It's the work of God that He died on the cross to save me because He wants me. I just got to choose that I want him now. Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We live in a, if I can be honest, we live in an age where we really don't think we do that much wrong. And yet we know that around us is such evil. It's not like, it's not innocent like it was in the 1950s, 1960s, nineteen seventy. It is blatant. It, there is an absolute upheaval going on in our society. And so we kind of go along with it. Let me say, if you're tired of that, let me ask you. It's because, uh, let me ask you to consider, it probably is because you're just going with the flesh. And the flesh is going along with the world. And if you ever want to battle the demonic forces that are in this world, you're going to have to battle and win the fleshly forces in you. If you can't win this battle in you first, you're not going to battle when the devil puts his pressure on you. You're not going to be able to battle when he, when the world puts this pressure on you. It starts with being born again. I just encourage you to understand Jesus died for you because he knew you couldn't live the Christian life, because he knew that you would... Always struggle with sin, and he instead of just fixing you now, he will one day you'll get to heaven and there'll be no more sin. But he gave you a new nature, he gave you himself. If he did give you himself. Why don't you decide to follow him? Father, I ask that this this message would be life-changing for somebody in this room. To be clear that it's not just a battle. We know there's a fight, there's a war, a conflict going on. But I want to turn around and I want to decide. To be led of the Spirit. I want to know what it's like to know when you're telling me to do something different than I want to do. I want to know it's you compelling me, constraining me, calling me to do something that would just please you. Nobody else may be happy with what I do, but I just, I'll do it if that's your will for me. And I've got to convey to this crowd, Father. They've got to invest in the Spirit. They've got to sow to it. They've got to invest time to spiritual things. And they would not take it for granted that they have a responsibility to be in your word, to spend time in prayer, to be together as a church, to grow as a church, so that we can be led of the Spirit. Lord, help us today to be spiritually minded like we've never been before. In Jesus' name, amen.